Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. And welcome back. My name is Hakun Wong. I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, is your staff writer and co-host and Man, he's got uh, in on basically every organization in fantasy sports now. It's Ryan Whitfield. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Doing good. Appreciate the shout-out. <laughs> well, you might not appreciate it as much when I go to the next thing. So everybody, in fair to, in full disclosure, we're doing this week's podcast at 7.30 instead of our usual 8 or 8.30 because someone on this podcast has to go home and watch The Bachelorette tonight at 8 p.m. So... <laughs> So I, I'm going to be even more specific. That someone is in the just saying, just saying. But, hey, I guess what? You know, this is, if you're going to watch The Bachelorette and you're an NFL fan, there's actually actually relevant this year. There are two NFL players that actually started on it, from what I understand, uh, Colton Underwood, who actually never played a snap in the NFL, but did play football at some point and was on an NFL team. And Clay Harbor, who some of you might recall, uh, had multiple touchdowns, uh, but was never actually a thing and was out of the league last year. And more importantly, there's Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. That's right, a fantasy analyst is on the show. Ryan, why don't you update us on how those guys are doing? Yeah, so Colton's still in. He has a little bit of drama because, uh, you know, anyone who watches The Bachelorette knows that Becca um, was uh, basically left at the altar last year. One of her good friends, Tia, uh, who was also on the show last year as one of the contestants, uh, actually had a couple of dates with Colton back over January, so there was a little bit of uh, juicy drama with that. And then uh, Clay Harbor, uh, the pro- probably the, you know, well, I guess not probably, definitely the most successful, uh, at least on the football field, out of all the three of the football guys, uh, was uh, they actually had a, a football game uh, competition last week, and Clay Harbor actually broke his wrist and had to leave the show to have surgery to save wow. his NFL career, and it, it looks like his career might actually be over in the NFL because of the injury sustained in a football game on the Bachelorette. Uh, and then oh, lastly, my God. As I mentioned last week on the show, I am right now trying to uh, to, to get in as a, as a data analyst. We're going through the trials right now with Pro Football Focus. So uh, PFF Mike is the guy that I'm rooting for the hardest, Mike Renner. Um, he's had the, the least amount of camera time, but somehow keeps getting on to the next <laughs> round. So... Uh, there will be a road ceremony to kick off the show tonight, and uh, I will be rooting hard for PFF Mike to, uh, to take home that rose early on tonight. Well, here's some applause for you. Look at that, guys. Uh, everybody, all your listeners out there, you thought we were just one-dimensional. You thought we were just football. We're not. We're caring individuals. We actually watched The Bachelorette as well, and with that, let's go ahead and get this started. Hey, all right. So we got a lot to talk about today. We're actually going to be talking about running back by committee backfields, breaking that down for you uh, for your fantasy football purposes. And we're going to be talking about our defenses, our top 10 defenses for fantasy football. As you may recall, last week we spoke with Nick Sparts of the Beer Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast, and we broke down our top 10 at all the skill positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end for PPR. Now we're going to talk about our defenses. But before we get to that, let's talk about these running back by committee situations that are just a real headache for all of us, and I'm sure is a real headache for all of you who play fantasy football as well. Let's start with the Packers. So the Packers have Jamal Williams, they have Aaron Jones, they have Ty Montgomery. Um, just I'm not going to run through all the stats, but honestly, Jamal Williams really had the most carries yards and the fourth most reception yards 
of any player on the Packers. So he led them with 153 carries, 556 yards, uh, and he had 262 receiving yards. So that's something significant. But then that was maybe a product of Montgomery missing some games due to a rib injury and Jones missing some games due to a knee injury. But, hey, stats are stats. Uh, and when called upon, he performed. Now, Coach Mike McCarthy has recently said that the Packers will have a, quote, running back by committee. He also said that, quote, we feel like we've got three guys that have all done, uh, but they haven't done it over a long period of time. So I think it's just a practical thinking from that position and realizing that it's very, it's a very demanding position. Now, he, didn't, he did leave open the possibility that one of the players will emerge as a clear option in camp and or during the season, but there are other factors here. Jones, on, uh, for instance, uh, may have other issues as he recently pleaded no contest to a marijuana-related traffic charge from last October. Jones was charged with speeding, driving without a valid license, operating a vehicle with a controlled substance in the system, allegedly marijuana. The first two charges were dropped, but Jones did plead no contest to the third, and he did get a suspended license and a fine an order to undergo alcohol assessment. Now, there's a possibility that Jones could also face punishment from the NFL. And for Montgomery, uh, ESPN's Rob Demosky notes that based on what he saw at OTAs, Montgomery appears set for a, quote, significant role in the offense and didn't appear to lose any ground to Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. So it's a big headache right now. What are your thoughts, Ryan, on the Packers' backfield? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of any of the three, just because of how much of a committee it looks like it's going to be. Um, in, the, in the case of Ty Montgomery, which is the one guy I'll make a case for, and it's really threefold. One, he's the most proven commodity out of the three. Two, being a converted wide receiver to running back, he is, you know, would be my uh, favorite or most likely to, to contribute in the passing game out of the three. Uh, so especially in PPR formats, that's important. And lastly, and it's early, you know, I'm still doing a lot of MFL 10 drafts and people that aren't fantasy football uh, enthusiasts or nerds. And everyone, pretty much everyone who watches football and you know, out there pretty much plays fantasy football. But most people are uh, haven't done like the 20 drafts on uh, draft that I've done already. <laughs> um, so we'll see how it shakes out when it gets a little more in draft season. But right now, the three... Uh, Montgomery's the one who's still sitting there late, you know, in the, in the you know, and sometimes in the 12th, 13th round. Uh, so his ADP is the lowest of the three. When I honestly think that he's probably the safest bet of the three. So yes, if you could get Ty Montgomery late as like your fourth running back, preferably your fifth running back if you're loading up early, which I think you should, um, right. then I don't mind that play. But you know, pretty untouchable across the board. But just where uh, the other two are going. Uh, way too early in drafts uh, for my liking, and I'm just, I'm just not. I, I you know, I owned, uh, I have one. I think, I think one out of the 20 drafts I have uh, Aaron Jones in, um, and then I have Montgomery in like three or four others. So he's up with the guy that I own the most uh, or have the most equity in right now. Yeah, and I like the thought process there of Ty Montgomery, but I have to tell you that I actually think that if one guy emerges, it it might be Jamal Williams only because of the fact that. He's actually proven that he can he can do it. 153 carries, pretty good. I mean, his yards per carry actually not so great at 3.6, but still, that's just about the same as Ty Montgomery. And the thing that kind of popped out to me was 262 receiving yards last year, which is actually the fourth most among Packers in 2017 of anybody in any position there. And and with no Jordy Nelson, I think that Aaron Rodgers may be more willing to use the backs. Um, yes, Ty Montgomery may switch back over to wide receiver role, so that's why I like him late. 
if I got up to go early, I like Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones, but I'm with you on this. I prefer to stay away from all of them unless I'm in the best ball league where I can kind of, uh, I can withstand a little bit of a bad pick where some guy might end up being a bench warmer by uh, mid season. All right. Well, that's it with the Packers. Let's move on to the Seahawks. Now the Seahawks have uh, Chris Carson. They have Rashad Penny. They also have a bunch of other guys, CJ Procise, Mike Davis, and JD McKissick, but those three appear to be in situational roles only. Now, Chris Carson looked to be their heir apparent until he went down with a leg injury last year and then was apparently replaced this year by a rookie as the Seahawks traded up to take Rashad Penny 27th overall in the NFL draft. Now, at San Diego State last year, Penny racked up 289 carries for 2,248 yards at a 7.8 yard per carry uh, average and 23 touchdowns so um and he also averaged uh and he also had eight career return tds seven on kickoffs and one on the punt so in addition to that and you'll love this because i'm going to quote some pff stats for you and i know (laughs) i know you're a big fan of pff now orion but in 2017 pff college credited penny with the most missed tackles 86 and runs of 15 plus yards 35 amongst draft eligible backs and penny also ran a ran a 4.46 at the combine, which put him at a 92nd percentile speed score. Now, Pete Carroll appears all in as he stated that he sees Penny as a three-down back and already trusts him in pass protection. But Carroll has also praised Carson, noting that he looks like, quote, he hasn't missed one snap of anything and just looks so fit and so cut and quick and explosive and all of that. So what are your thoughts about the Seahawks' backfield? Well, we all know I'm a huge Chris Carson guy have been since right. last year. Yep. Uh, been a very frustrating start to his career for me, uh, given that, and me and you talked about it multiple times on the podcast last year, that he was clearly the best back they had last season. And right. for whatever reason, they kept trying to game plan specifically for other guys at the beginning of the game, at the beginning of the season, and then inevitably would turn the ball over to Chris Carson in the second half and he just come out there and, and produce and put up stats. And it wasn't until about week four that they finally started to turn the keys over to him, and then he ends up getting hurt in the second half of that game. That was like right. the first game he came out and was the lead guy from snap one. It looks like they would finally given in. They're like, hey, you know, this kid that we didn't believe in is the, is the answer, and then he's not, uh, or then he's hurt, and so he's gone. So, um, you know, I, I just find it it's, it's, a, it's a mixed message and confusing because you don't draft Richard Penny up that high – and, and do all that if you're not mm-hmm. going to, you know, feature him. So logic says that he's the best player to play, but then you have, you know, you, you quoted one thing Carol said there about um, Carson, but I, I would describe everything he said about Carson as gushing so far. Yeah. Not only did you, did you add uh, about him not looking like he hadn't missed a snap of anything, I mean, there's, there's been comments about how big and physical and strong he looks and, how he's really popping on the practice field, and it's been gush, 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 and it's, you know, so I, I, I'm sitting here scratching my head because I'm trying to figure out is, is this a ploy to build up his stock so you can trade him now, or are they really going to go both guys, or is it Chris Carson's job to lose? And you know, the the idea of you know pumping him up to then trade him, I think, is a little bit uh, too calculated and smart for the way I think Pete Carroll's mind operates personally. So I don't really believe in that. So it just, what it leads me to is that this thing is just such a huge question mark uh, that I just, that I just don't want to touch it until, until training camp. So, you know, for, for MFL 10 drafts right now, I, I guess Rashard Penny is the guy to go with. I've just been kind of staying away from that backfield altogether because I want to mm-hmm. see, 
I think there's enough good rookie running backs and enough good backs out there right now that you can avoid that backfield so there's a little bit more clarity uh, in the month of July and August. Yeah, and actually, so right now, uh, Chris Carson, according to Fantasy Pros, is at an ADP of 134th. So if you're looking at a 10-team draft, you're looking at the 13th round plus. Uh, he's going as running back 49. Some running backs going around him. Uh, at 46, you got Corey Clement at Philly. you got uh, Doug Martin in Oakland. And then you have uh, Nick Chubb uh, at Cleveland, and you have um, then you have Chris Carson, and you have Latavius Murray going after him, Giovanni Bernard going after him, Bilal Powell going after him. You know, what are your thoughts about those guys around there? Is that about the right time to take Chris Carson if you want to take a flyer on him? Yeah, and I, and I would take a lot of those guys ahead of him. I mean, mm-hmm. Latavius Murray feels like a similar situation. Uh, Bilal Powell, both of those. You know, I feel like you're almost just, you know, handcuffing, which, um, you know, I've uh, I've been on the record now uh, saying that I'm not a I'm not a believer in handcuffing, so I don't like picking right. any of those guys. And, um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the overall right fit of where he's around of, of guys with a lot of question marks, you know, attached to their name right now. Right, right. I totally agree with that, and I and I think that he's going about right, but I'd rather take uh, the upside of someone like Nick Chubb. Even James White later on at 149. I mean, th- those those guys seem like they have more upside right now than a very uncertain backfield position, unless you're playing best ball, in which case maybe you can withstand a little bit of a bad pick. Okay, so let's go ahead and turn to the next backfield here that we want to talk about. That's the Buccaneers. They have Peyton Barber there, who had 108 carries last year, 423 yards, three touchdowns, and 114 reception yards. But they actually uh, they went out and got somebody. They got somebody in the draft. Now, Barber performed admirably in the final five games of last season uh, and returns on a cheap one-year 630K deal. And prior to the draft, Bucks coach Derek Ketter said that Barber was, quote, the starting running back and that he had, quote, high confidence level in him. But then the Bucks picked Ronald Jones out of USC at 38th overall in the NFL draft, and everything changed. Now Ronald Jones, 261 carries, 1,550 rush yards, 5.9 yards per carry, and 19 rushing touchdowns in 2017 at USC finishing second among draft-eligible backs in forced missed tackles, 58, and averaging 6.12 career yards per carry. He's a pretty exciting guy, and at Tampa Bay Times, Greg Allman expects Barber and Jones to initially share the load, but they have been some talk here about Jones taking over as the primary guy, uh, or at least shortly there, shortly after the beginning of the season. So what are your thoughts between Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, and the Buccaneers' backfield? Yeah, I'm not taking – they're putting any draft stock in uh, Peyton Barber. Um, so I'm hands off on him completely. As far as Ronald Jones, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm somebody who's done a lot of drafts already. So I can tell you this right now that, you know, I think it's important to, to tier uh, your players and, and really try to target the best guy available. I'll tell you that in every draft I've, I've been in so far that if, you call, if you if you if three of your first four picks are um, hold on one second um, there we go sorry about that uh, if three of your no first problem. four picks are wide receivers you're in trouble at that point you're probably selecting Ronald which is not what I like at all um, you need to load up in fantasy right now on wide receivers and running backs and you really want to load up. Um, on, on running back, and at least, you know, by the time you're coming around on that fifth, you know, early sixth-round pick, you want to have somebody else. I think his ADP on draft is around 60 right now, which in a 12-team league puts him right in that fifth-round range. And I just, 
I like I, I like the upside of him, but I don't like him as an RB two. And the way our running backs are flying off the board right now, you certainly don't want to be caught in a scenario where you have Ronald Jones as the as the next best available guy to you uh, going right. as your running back two. I just think there's too much uncertainty there. Um, I think he is uh, is is definitely a, a questionable. There's you know there's a, I think there's really two tiers of rookie running backs. The top tier is also obviously. Uh, you know, the Saquon Barkley uh, group, and then I think that Ronald Jones is more on like the carry on Johnson, Rashard Penny, um, Darius Geis uh, bracket, and I would put him honestly right now as, as my lowest guy in that tier of the rookie guys. Right, right. And I, I think I agree with most of that, and I will say also that Peyton Barber has an ADP right now, according to Fantasy Pros, at 169, so going really, really late in drafts. I have no problem with taking a flyer of Peyton Barber in drafts if he is, like you said, a fifth running back. And, and the thought process being that he was able to handle the load in the last five games of last season, and who knows what Ronald Jones will bring there. You know, we, we don't know if he will adopt the system quickly. Uh, case in point, um, as far as rookies are concerned, there are reports coming out that Baker Mayfield is not even able to compete with Tyrod Taylor right now in Cleveland. So, you know, you, sometimes you get excited about rookies, and sometimes the rookies don't actually perform. We don't know what we're going to get out of Ronald Jones. So I don't have a problem with taking a flyer on somebody like Peyton Barber really, really late if you want to uh, – a lottery ticket and see if he actually pans out. All right, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans. They have Derrick Henry, and boy, oh boy, we all were excited about Derrick Henry's upside when DeMarco Murray was released, but then they had to go ahead and spoil it as they went ahead, as the Titans went ahead and got Deion Lewis on a $19.8 million four-year deal. So you don't pay $19.8 million to sit the guy on the bench. And Titans offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur says that he views both Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis as his, quote, 1A and 1B backs. Um, he says, quote, I feel confident in both these guys. They both bring a little bit different qualities to what they do. We've got two brilliant backs that we are excited about. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a little bit up in the air now. I was excited about Derrick Henry. He was going up my draft board. They got Deion Lewis. I am excited about him as well. What do you think about the Titans backfield of Henry and Lewis? I like, I like both guys in this backfield, but – I have I have more concerns about Lewis than Henry, and I think that the the common or prevailing thought on this is is the opposite um, that there's more question marks with Henry, and that especially with where his ADP is now. Lewis is much more comfortable where where his ADP is, and I have him in a couple different uh, drafts at uh, my RB three, which I think is actually really good value for him. The big question mark with Deion Lewis is the injury history. Um, or there's two big question marks, one, one being the injury history. Now, I know if you look on paper, he was uh, healthy the last two seasons, which he hadn't been in whatever it was, the five or six years of his career before that when he was basically out of the league. Before coming to New England, had a, a ridiculous beginning this 2015 before he got injured and was out for the year uh, come week 10. And then the last year he's been relatively healthy. Uh, I would caution that with – that he did suffer that injury at the end of regulation in the, in the comeback against the the Falcons in the Super Bowl. So while he played all every game or played, uh, I believe every game that season, he did have a late injury in that season. Again, a leg injury on just a non-contact injury. So I just think there's a, there's a, and I don't remember the the significance of the injury. I don't believe it was an ACL. But either way, it just he's he's a guy that he's had a lot of workload, a lot of a lot of tread on the tires, even in college. So. There are concerns about that 
with him for me. The other one is, and I, I posed this with a couple of my friends in a group chat the other day. We were talking about Dion Lewis, mm-hmm. and you know, I challenge you or anyone outside of Danny Woodhead, name me a Patriot running back that has gone on to be successful in another system. Now, I think too much is made of, of the Belichick cuts people at the right time, and that's just you know, uh, hokey footy pajama Patriot fan talk saying that, like, oh, Bill always makes it right. He's not right 100% of the time, but outside of Danny Woodhead, and then go down the list of Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, Stephen Ridley, Shane Vereen has has been a shell of himself in in New York, and so you look over the last 15 years, and really no guy's really gone on since, you know, outside of Woodhead, and then well, well before that, Curtis Martin to be successful somewhere else. So that does that does scare me, because, you know, a lot of what he does is in the passing game, too, or let's say half his production, um, so you put him in a different offense with a different quarterback, and you know we don't know what that looks like because the fact of the matter is he wasn't very successful before the Patriots uh, as far as staying on the field and, and being an impact player. So what will he be after that? So I'm a little more confident, even though you have to pay a little bit more for, for Henry right now because I think he's on average uh, in the 50 range where Lewis is more in like the 80 range. But I just think that Henry's more of the safe bet. Um, you know, I think there's a higher upside play on Lewis, but a, but a safer bet going with Henry. Yeah, and I and I do like Derrick Henry for standard scoring better. I just think he has a higher touchdown potential than Deion Lewis. And he let's not overlook the fact that he has uh, some um, some confidence and familiarity with the system in place. I think that there is a there's a potential for him to kind of continue being that guy moving forward. Although I think Deion Lewis does have a lot of upside in PPR. And I will note I will note this: Legarrette Blount did have success. He wasn't good. <laughs> he certainly wasn't good. He did have success moving on. So I know that's a little bit cutting as like uh, he did? Slicing, slicing in the bologna a little too thin maybe, but uh, you're right. No, I no just, I, I, one of my friends brought up LeGarrette Blunt the other day, and last time I checked, uh, the Eagles liked LeGarrette Blunt so much that they traded, I think it was a second-round pick for Jay Ajayi halfway through the season. So I don't know I don't know how good <laughs> LeGarrette Blunt really was last no, year. Right, right, right. But, right, I agree with that. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our last te- uh, last backfield. That's the Redskins. We got uh, we got Chris Thompson there from last year. He was really running away with the job suddenly until he broke his leg. And then Darius Dice got picked up, 59th overall out of LSU in the NFL draft. What a great steal he is. Jay Gruden originally said that Geis was a two-down back, but he's performed well so far in OTAs. Hey, who knows what's going to happen there, or is it just going to be a split between one-two downs and third downs and passing downs? What are your thoughts about the Redskins' backfield, Darius Geis and Chris Thompson? So I like both these guys. Uh, I think that they both have different enough roles that they're both going to get a good amount of workload. I think that the ADP for both is really good. Ice is much higher because I think he will be more of the primary carrying back. Uh, but I think Chris Thompson, especially in PPR leagues, still has a lot of value, and he's going right now in draft around like the high 80s, low 90s. Um, so that's a guy that if you can, again, you know, if you can get Geis as preferably your third guy, but as your second guy, uh, you know, I'm okay with that, and it, or if it's your RB2 there. Uh, but if you could get Thompson as, like, a, a late RB3 or, or early RB4, you know, somewhere uh, in, in that range where he's kind of a guy that, that's going to give you uh, some additional yards and, and stats down low. Um, you know, so I, I'm comfortable with both of these guys. Again, I just think they have different enough roles. They'll both, get, they'll both put up points, and, uh, and, you know, both their ADPs, I think, are actually pretty spot on for, for what they'll do this year. 
Yeah, I think everyone who, who follows me knows that I love Darius Geis. I think he's fantastic. I think he's actually a, a terrific player. The off-field stuff, I think, is nonsense. And uh, frankly, I think he should have been the first-round draft pick. Uh, so slipping down to 59th overall is a steal for the Washington Redskins. Uh, I don't think you draft him and you sit him, but I do agree that both of them do have roles right now, and they are not going to shy away from using Chris Thompson on third downs and passing downs and those types of situations, and he will have plenty of value there. And as you say, if you take him as a third or fourth running back, that could really do you some real good later on in the season if you need somebody to cover for you as a uh, as a late round RB. So let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and ring the bell on all that because we have one more segment to go to, and that is. Our defenses. So let's go ahead to our top ten defenses. We're down. We actually, believe it or not, we're down to our last ten minutes. But why don't you go ahead? Our last five minutes, I should say. But why don't you go down your top ten defenses for fantasy football so far uh, this year? Yeah. So number one is no surprise because I think they're uh, the only all-world defense that generate once on a generational defense. You look at any any PFF advanced statistic and they'll tell you that Jacksonville that the Jacksonville Jaguars is one of the best defenses we'll ever see in our lifetime mm-hmm. um, so I got Jacksonville one I do have Minnesota two I have the LA Rams three and that rounds out my tier one my tier two kicks off with Philadelphia then I have the Chargers at four I have Denver um, sorry Chargers at five then I have Denver at six Houston at seven and Baltimore at eight and that rounds out my tier two my tier nine starts off with New Orleans and then has Seattle rounding out the top ten. Wow, Seattle. You have Seattle in your top ten. Well, that's, that's really interesting. So what, what's your, what brings this renewed faith in Seattle after their rebuild effort? Yeah, I think that they've put enough pieces in there. I think that the scheme's good enough. Um, and so I just think that uh, – and, and, you know, they're, I think they're, they're actually kind of being slept on enough now that you can get them at a good value. And uh, – I'm going to I'm going to forget the kid's name now because uh, there's the two of them. What's Shaquille Griff- Griffin's the the corner out there? Um, right. Now you make me blank on it. Whatever Griffin brother it is because there's the, the, the linebacker <laughs> that just came into the league, the one with the one hand, and then his brother's the corner out there. I like Griffin. Um, I, think, I think you can get Earl Thomas back in line, and they still, you know, they had a down year because they had a lot of injuries last year, but there's still enough talent on that squad to be a top ten. Fantasy Pros has them ranked right now in the same tier as I do at 11. They actually had uh, the New England Patriots at 10, um, and it's I just I'm not buying that. So um, and that's from a Patriot fan. So I, I have uh, <laughs> I have Seattle Patriots there at 10. Wow. Okay. So I uh, my my top ten looks actually kind of similar to yours, but I, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit all in on one team that uh, you're not as big on, but it's not that big of a difference. The first top three there, I'm the same as you. I got the Jags. I got the Vikings. I got the Rams at one, two, three. At four, I'm in on the Houston Texans defense. (laughs) I know this is a theme. I happen to be in on the Houston Texans as a team all the way around, and maybe that's going to come back and bite me in the butt at the end of the next season. But I really, really like what the Texans have going on. I think their defense will be good this year. I have them at four. I have the Chargers at five. I have the Eagles a little lower than you. I have them at six, but not so much different than your four. I have the Broncos and then the Ravens and the Saints, and I actually did put the Patriots at 10. And I do have more confidence uh, in the way that – I mean, maybe it's me thinking that, that Belichick is going to be good 
at scheming for uh, the offenses that makes the defense so good for fantasy production. I mean, he just happens to have the right people in the right place at the right time without needing to have big, big names. But I can see how Seattle could be in there. I mean, that's, that's a little bit surprising to me only because I know that there's a lot of talk about how they're just blowing it all up uh, over the last year. But we will see how that works out. So the only real difference, I guess, is the Patriots and the Seahawks. But what do you think about the Texans? Am I too high on them at number four? Well, I'll say, first of all, for New England, I, I, I like your points, but uh, overall the, the Patriots are yet again in a situation where they're one high tower uh, yearly injury, injury away from Kyle Van Noy being LB1 in New England. So that's what's <laughs> right. about them. Uh, with yep. Houston, no, I don't think you're too high. Um, you know, I think – I think they're always going to be a competitive defense. I think I just I just don't buy into them quite as much as, as I do the other teams, and I could be proven wrong on that. But I just I have more confidence in the other teams I had ahead of them. I think they'll be a good defense, but um, you know I think they'll be more in the middle of the pack there towards the bottom end. Okay, so that is what we have for our fantasy defenses. So let's go ahead and ring the bell on that, and that brings us to believe it or not, the end of the show. I'll ring it again because for some reason. It's not actually going. This is terrific. My soundboard not working. Fantastic. I guess we had to wait till the end to get our technical difficulties. So why don't you just take us on down here, Ryan? Give us your social media so people can follow you. Yep. Follow me on Instagram, football underscore garbage underscore time. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield NE, and check out my boys uh, DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports, and check out my boy Chris underscore ADF from All Day Football the most comprehensive fantasy football and regular football news online. And watch The Bachelorette because Ryan's doing it, so you know it's cool. And my name is Hakun Wong. Follow me at at Garbage Time. And until next time, thank you for wasting time with us, and enjoy your NFL week.